You know, many times in education, uh, they point out that it's dangerous to give people an answer before you've elicited the question. In point of fact, just in everyday life, we all know people who have all the answers but don't know any of the questions. There's another example of something that gets our attention. But our reading from the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles is a good example of that because it's a very narrow slice because we could only have so much time on a Sunday morning. We have to get going at the concert this afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. And so I wanted to take things from the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles to give you the issue, the problematic, the situation in which Peter, in which Peter found himself. And it's vis-a-vis -vis someone named Cornelius. Cornelius was in Caesarea and Peter, St. Peter, Simon Peter, was in Joppa. Are we okay so far? Well, here we go. There was a devout and God-fearing centurion in Caesarea. His name was Cornelius. And he was head of a cohort. He would give alms generously to the Jews. He prayed to God. He feared God. And he had a vision there in Caesarea from an angel saying, your prayers have been answered. And he said, the angel said, send to Joppa to someone named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with another Simon, a tanner, a tanner, by the sea. And so he did that. And so the next day, now over in Joppa, the next day, Peter in Joppa went to the roof to pray. It was noontime, he was hungry. And the Acts 10th chapter says he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a large sheet held at the four corners was lowered down from heaven. And on it was every four-legged animal and reptile and bird. And the voice said, uh, get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. And Peter said, certainly not. Certainly not, sir. I have never eaten anything profane or unclean. And so then the voice said a second time, what God has made clean, you are not to call profane. What God has called clean, you're not to call profane. While Peter was still in doubt about this vision, uh, the, uh, the three that were sent by, from Caesarea by, by the centurion, Cornelius arrived. And uh, so he heard, there are three men here to see you. And so the voice up to him said, get up and go downstairs and don't hesitate, I have sent them, Peter was told. And so uh, he went downstairs and said, I'm the one you're looking for. And then he asked them, why are you here? Just to figure out what's going on. And then they said, well, Cornelius, a holy man, was directed by an angel uh, and summoned to your house to find Simon. And so Peter then invited them in. Now they were Gentiles, and strictly speaking, according to Jewish law, he shouldn't have brought them in, but he invited them in, invited them in and showed them hospitality. Uh, the next day, Peter went with them and went over to Joppa, and Cornelius was there with family and friends gathered as well to meet Peter, to meet Simon called Peter when he arrived. Cornelius fell to the ground and began to kiss Peter's feet, and Peter said, get up, I'm, I'm a, a, a human being just like you. And uh, then uh, Peter said, you know, it is unlawful 
It's unlawful for a Jewish man to associate or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call any person profane or unclean. And that is why I came without objection when I was sent for. Then, of course, Peter doesn't know everything. He says, might you tell me why you summoned me? Might you tell me? And then uh, Peter said, I see now that God shows no partiality. Rather, in every nation, we have people that fear him and act uprightly are acceptable to him. So this is what Peter, through this, began to learn, and us with him. And then, as they say, it gets better. While Peter was still speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the word. And the circumcised believers who had accompanied him, the Jews who come over, the Jewish Christians who'd come with him from Joppa to Caesarea, who accompanied were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit should have been poured out upon the Gentiles also. And then Peter responded, having seen this thing, the Spirit them being confirmed preemptively, Peter said, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit even as we have? And so he ordered them to be baptized. That's chapter 10, chapter 11, he goes back to Joppa and the circumcised Christians confront him and tell him it's wrong. And then he said, uh, if God gave them the spirit, who are we to doubt? Who am I to hinder God? Who am I to hinder God? You will hear sometimes on the radio people say, unless you believe in the Lord Jesus and people take that to mean you can't be saved, people that will take that to mean that anybody who hasn't used the word Jesus in every prayer cannot be saved. And yet you and I know the universal salvific will of God. The people in the painting there are kids from this parish who became missionaries and went all over the world. One of them founded Maranol from St. Paul's Parish because they knew that God wants everyone to be saved. As the nuns taught us in every year of primary school, sometimes people haven't heard the word yet and don't know of this, but by their good deeds and so on, they will be saved by God. Whether or not they use Jesus' name, they're saved through salvation that comes from Jesus. But sometimes it's hard to get things across because even good things like religion can be used for hateful ends. Things that could help people like religion can be used to hurt people, to harm rather than to help. There's an infamous example that's periodically in the news about a former evangelical church, nothing to do with evangelical churches, it formerly, that has become a cult, a family cult in Topeka, Kansas. You see it most often because it disrupts the funerals of American servicemen. You all know, I think, or many of you know, the marathon bombing, God forbid, here on Boylston Street in Boston. And we went to the different funerals there. One of the women who was killed there was uh, the, the daughter and the sister of uh, workers over in our, our business school in Cabot House uh, Food Services. And so the pastor and I went to that. And there, there was a gang of bikers separating so the people weren't bothered by the protesters of that cult, of that group saying they were a religious church, talking about how God hates the poor person who was blown up not to mention our servicemen and so on. They came to commencement once and they were, had posters against gays. Everyone streamed past them, didn't even notice. And then it happened 
that they had plans and checked with the police to stay by, they wanted to be by Hillel, they were allowed not to be there, but on the opposite up Mount Auburn Street, Bow Street. They were going to protest, can you imagine it, the poor Jews. And so this was going to happen, it was within the decade. I went over to a meeting with the rabbis over in the basement of Memorial Church. And I asked them whether they, they wanted us to give them the oxygen. Should we bother to pay attention to them? And they said, well, people said sometimes people didn't protest during the Holocaust, so our students want us to do something, but diagonally in humor, so we're not engaged with them, but we're obviously sticking up. So I got a blackboard, and for the hour that the protests by the, the hate-filled crazies arguing they were religious, do you think Christ would ever want that? While they were doing that, I got a blackboard, and I wrote four lines on it in chalk. Two lines in yellow chalk, one line, third line in blue chalk, and the fourth line in red. And I held that in traffic. It went viral. Harvey Cox, the holder of the oldest professorship, was often mentions it to me whenever I see him. Well, it said four things. And I held it there in traffic. I mean, standing to the side so traffic could by. God loves everybody. Dot, dot, dot. Second line, no exceptions. Then in blue chalk, third line, dot, 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 even Yale, even Yale. And then the fifth line, fourth line in red, signed Harvard Catholics. Some people have enough religion to hate, but not enough to love. At the heart of what the Lord did was ask solidarity with all mankind, with all humankind. We understand solidarity and we see in the Hebrew Scripture where it's written that you don't lie or cause trouble to your own group, your own tribe, your own people. But what Christ wanted to do is the essence of the Hebrew prophets was to say we are to be in solidarity with every people, even our enemies. We have no enemies because we love everyone and we are in solidarity with everyone. Think of a nurse or a doctor taking care of people in the midst of COVID where they could die of COVID themselves. Think of a parent getting up at all hours where they're injuring their own health to look after the health of their children. Think of the love for Mother's Day that we celebrate today, each of our mothers, and so many women and sisters and aunts who are as mothers to us as well. And then let us capture what Paul taught in, uh, in that Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, but what, what Peter came to see in the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, that God shows no partiality to any people. God loves them all. God loves everyone. No exceptions, even Yale. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org. That's stpaulparish.org. God bless and see you next time.